there, everyone. I'm Joe, and I just wanted to take a moment and say thank you for listening to our Lincoln eFree podcast. We are grateful for your support to shine the light of Christ in every home and business in the Lincoln Lakes area and beyond. In case you're not aware, we have a YouTube channel, which you can find the link in our bio. We hope you enjoy this week's message and encourages you and helps you to become the light that God designed you to be. With that, let's jump in. Come with me back in time and space. In time all the way back to 5 BC. That's right, Pope Gregory in the late early in the late 1500s got it wrong. The Gregorian calendar, Jesus wasn't born at year 0 or 1. According to the Gregorian calendar, the reality is he was born in 5 or 6 BC. Come with me back in space to a small town in southern Galilee or what might be considered northern Israel. A small town called Nazareth. In Hebrew, branch. And don't you know, there's an Old Testament prophecy that Matthew refers to, he should be called a Nazarene. Well, there's nowhere in the Old Testament that says he shall be called a Nazarene, except that the Messiah will be called Branch. To this small town, 20 miles east of, the, of what they called the Great Sea, the Mediterranean, about 15 miles west of the Sea of Galilee, kind of at that southern point of the sea. More importantly, only about four miles south of Sepphoris. Have you heard of Sepphoris? Odd, isn't it, that in the first century, almost everyone in the, in, in the Middle East had heard, heard of Sepphoris. And no one had heard of Nazareth. So different today. Sepphoris was a, was a large community. And just like every large community, it tended to suck the life out of the small communities around. Because why shop at Ernie's when you can go to Costco or something like that? Life hasn't changed really that much. Nazareth was so insignificant, it is not mentioned in the Old Testament. All of it. Nor is it mentioned in the Talmud, the commentary on the Old Testament. It's not mentioned in the Midrash. More commentary on the Old Testament. Even the Jewish historian Josephus doesn't once mention Nazareth. Nothing important happened there until it did. Come with me into this small town. I think the best guess for his, that historians make is it may have been around 500 people. 
which honestly, coming from Sunberg, that's pretty big. <laughs> um, walk with me through the main street. We, we speak of small towns as maybe being a, a, a one-stop sign town or a one-street-light so- town. Nazareth was a one-spring town. There was only one spring for water in the whole town, which is why it was destined always to remain small. It's cisterns that would collect the rain when it did come. Most people had something on their roof that would collect the rainwater. Walk with me down the street and take one of the side streets. And we come to a house that looks like just about every other house in town. And here lives a man named Heli, H-E-L-I. Heli was from Judah. In fact, he could trace his lineage back to King David. Luke's gospel tells us this. Almost for certain, Luke's genealogy is through the line of Mary, which never happened. The people who want to argue for some other possibility such as a leveret marriage or something like that, they say the genealogy never went through the women's line. Well, there had never been a virgin-born man either. Heli was from Judah. What was he doing up in the land of Issachar? Ancient people may have traveled, but they didn't relocate unless they absolutely had to. You stayed close to family, always. That doesn't happen anymore, does it? There was security in families. Must have been some economic reason that drove him out of Judah up into Galilee and the tribe, tribal area of Issachar. Heli lived there with his wife and at least one other child, one child. Her name, Mary. Miriam in Hebrew. Mary for us. Can you see Heli looking at his daughter who he acknowledges has grown out of childhood and adolescence and feeling the satisfaction that a father feels when he knows he has chosen a good husband for his daughter. Yosef, the carpenter. Now, carpenter is the word techno. It's the same word we get techno. Joseph was high tech for his age, okay? 
Well, the word could apply to one who worked in wood or one who worked in stones. But usually, they would identify if it was a worker in stone. So I still think the best guess is that he was a carpenter in the way we tend to think of carpenters versus masons. He was not wealthy. In fact, he was poor. But the demographic was such that pretty much everyone was poor. So you might say he was middle class. He was probably significantly older than Mary. Most of these things we just can't be certain of. Mary must have felt some satisfaction, if not joy, knowing that her future was secure. She would never be wealthy, but she would never want for food on the table or a chair to sit on. Can you see Mary? We don't know where she was. But we can assume that for a few minutes in her busy day, she was alone. Women did not have the privileges that they have now. I'm not that old. But through all except one year of my high school, if the women weren't cheerleaders, there was nothing for them. Maybe the band. I'm so glad things changed for my daughters. Mary didn't know how to read and write, almost for sure. Why would you need to? Joseph was a good man. She didn't know him, except she'd seen him pretty much all of her life. So there was a, some familiarity. A town of that size, you knew everyone. Especially when there wasn't a lot of coming and going, like there is in Motley today. People pretty much stayed right there. At this point in time, Mary was alone. Until she wasn't. How he snuck up on her, he, she, she would never know, except that he turned out to be an angel, and that explained everything. Mary, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Hail, Mary. Mary was shocked when Gabriel explained to her that she would have the coveted role. Historians tell us that the vast majority of, of children, young girls, grew up hoping 
that they would be the mother to the Messiah. How often we hope for things not realizing all it might entail. May it be to me as you have said. She realized that even though she was a virgin, pledged to Joseph, she would be called his wife at this point. Though still a virgin, it's the Holy Spirit that's going to come upon you, Mary. The power of the Most High will overshadow you so that the Holy One to be, to be born of you will be called Son of God. The joy welled up within her. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the, the, what, what, something she had always hoped but never really thought it would be possible for her to be the one. It's like winning the lottery if you played it, which I don't think you should. It's never right to gamble with someone else's money, all right? And whose money does your money belong to, after all? Mary won the biological lottery, as it were. Blessed are you. God had found and chosen just the right person, and it filled her with joy. Joy inexplicable. But how long did the joy last? How would you react if you had a visitation from an angel and then suddenly he's gone? Wouldn't you start to wonder, did did that really happen? Did that really happen? I remember an incident driving through Lakeville, suburbia. I did have my middle daughter with me and we, we saw an elephant tethered to a to a, a garage. But to this day, I'm, I, honey, did we really see that? Yeah. I. <laughs> How much did Mary doubt? And the demon of doubt trying to snatch the joy just like he does for you. You have a moment in your life when you are sure God spoke to you. And then the next day you wonder, did that really happen? Ah, The threat. How soon did she tell her parents? We don't know. But I think it's a fair assumption she would have told them right away. Would you have believed your daughter? Boy, you know, we want to give the benefit of the doubt to our kids, especially one that has never lied to you before, has never been 
prone to exaggeration. What, what went on? Did she go to mom first? Maybe. Oi. <laughs> What's Ellie going to say? And the demons of doubt want to snatch the joy away. The, the, the experiences we have snatch the joy away. We all face it day after day. We have something that brings us joy, and just like that, it's gone. A phone call, and it's gone. A word with our doctor, and it's gone. You see, we are such addicts to, to joy and to happiness that we will grasp at whatever's there. And in grasping at whatever's there, we often get, albeit brief, albeit superficial, but we get a fix. And it feels good for a while. but easily stolen. Joy. Mary was so glad the angel told her as proof. Remember Aunt Elizabeth? Barren all her life. She's in her sixth month, Mary. Nothing is impossible with God. It didn't take Mary and her mother and Hallie, if they were involved, it didn't take long to say, we got, we, we got to go. That's the only way we confirm this. I'm assuming, given the communication of those days, that they didn't necessarily know. She was in Judea, miles away, a day's journey. Maybe they did know. Maybe they tied that in then. But nevertheless... Mary went almost immediately to Elizabeth in the hill country of Judea. And Mary entered Elizabeth's home. She stepped over the threshold and Elizabeth burst forth. How blessed I am to have the mother of our Lord visiting me because when you crossed the threshold, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Mary and Elizabeth had an amazing time. For about another three months, we don't know if she left just before John the Baptist was born or just afterward, or, 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 uh, or just afterward. She may have stayed. That would make sense. Help her Aunt Elizabeth with those things. And then she returned to Nazareth. Returned to face not so much her parents, but Joseph, if he hadn't already been told. How's he going to react? It was not easy for her to maintain joy. And all of this going on, and the townspeople, 
the relatives, the people in town, they shunned people like this. You ever wonder why when Joseph and Mary went back to at least Joseph's hometown, Bethlehem, that they had to stay in an inn? People didn't stay in inns back then the way we did. We do. You didn't stay in an inn unless you absolutely had to. And supposedly Joseph had all kinds of relatives around. But there was a joy. Once Joseph got the visit from the angel, there was a joy that could not be taken away from Mary and Joseph. It got them through thick and thin. Too often our our attention is on the events and the happenings around us. Don't you hate it when even something relatively unimportant happens and suddenly you're in a sour mood? It It can happen so easily, so quickly. And your joy is stolen. That's because our joy needs to be settled in Jesus. Because there is a kind of joy that we can have and we can maintain even when we don't feel like laughing. But there's a settled joy. Psalm 16, 11. In your presence there is fullness of joy. So the English distinction is helpful at times because many of you are not happy right now. You've had a tough week. You've, had some, you've got to face some things. You, 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 you're worried. You're, you're looking back with regret. You're looking forward with worry. But I'm telling you, 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 you can still have a settled joy within your heart that is indestructible as long as you remain in his presence. I lose the joy when I fall out of his presence. I forget about him. I go on with life and I get busy with other things. And then I wonder why I'm bummed out or why I'm in such a bad mood. Or my wife wonders. In his presence, there is fullness of joy. What, was, what did Isaiah say of the Messiah? Call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And as baby Jesus grew within the womb of Mary, it was harder and harder to, for her to forget the presence. It was harder for Joseph to forget the presence. Though us guys don't tend to connect quite as soon. Maybe when we feel a, a kick or a movement. In your presence, there's fullness of joy. You know, we, 
we, we talk almost as if it's a cliche, keep Christ in Christmas. Forgive me if you see me write Xmas. The reason is because X is the abbreviation for Christ in Greek. And I got into a habit of doing that, and then I, oh, people are saying you're taking Christ out of Christmas. No, that, not if I do that, okay? But I want to challenge you this Advent season to keep Christ in Christmas. Don't get so caught up with the presence that you forget about his presence. I mean, you can have a death sentence hanging over you, medically or in other ways, financially. And I believe you can still have a settled joy The disciples came back to Jesus at one point and they said, Oh my goodness, the demons are subject to us. We had such success out there. It was amazing. And Jesus said, Don't rejoice about that. Oh, why not? Rejoice rather. Why? You know, why? Rejoice that your name is written in heaven. Now there's a joy. Nothing can take away the joy of forgiveness of sins. The joy of the hope of eternal life. Have you found your joy in Jesus? Confess your sins. And his forgiveness will will flood you with joy. You weren't meant to carry that load of guilt and that load of shame. Confess it. And you have a joy that this world can't take away. Emmanuel, God with us. Let's pray. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you're interested in learning more about Lincoln E. Free Church here in the Lincoln Lakes area, you can go check out our website, lincolnefree.org, and you can give us a follow on Facebook. Have a great week.